0: Well, what an opportunity we have today to finish out the series called Me to We. And what we're going to see in, in this passage and what we've talked about a little bit so far is how the church is a fellowship of difference, but sometimes sometimes because we're different, we kind of get things wrong. And as a matter of fact, if you have your Bible, please open it up to 1 Corinthians 11. Um, if there is a church that we would ever strive to become, it's not this church in the Bible because they get a lot of things uh, done wrong, and they actually get this wrong. One of the early uh, traditions in the church is the thing called the Lord's Supper. We're going to take it later. But they actually start to get this wrong. As a matter of fact, uh, it's amazing to me, and maybe this would be amazing to you, the Lord gives us all kinds of different freedom on how to worship corporately, but he gives us some things specifically, some traditions, some ordinances, as another word, some ordinances that we have to get right. But yet, in the midst of, our, uh, of the other uh, traditions that we have within the church, we have so much flexibility. The way that we worship, the songs that we choose, even the the, method, uh, the methods that we use within ministry is so broad. And God, by His grace, just allows us uh, different ways to express ourselves in corporate worship. But we have to get these things right. And this church particularly got this wrong. Uh, in, in the midst of the, uh, the study of this message, because it's kind of a tradition, it's, I think a better word is ordinance, but if you're kind of new to church, you can think of it as a tradition, um, but one that has to, to stay in place. I, I thought to myself and did a little study. I was like, I wonder what some of the weirdest traditions are that people have. And I found two that to me were like super weird. Um, one of which a family had created a tradition that every Christmas before they would open gifts that the family would run a marathon. Okay, that's weird right? Is that weird? Anybody do that? Anyone? Okay, so we can all equally say that's kind of weird. Now, I will say that there was a uh, father and mother, and they had four kids, so they divided that 26.2 miles up between the six of them, but that's still a little weird, right? If you're going to make a family tradition, probably don't want to start with that one. Another one I found out north of our border, and Kevin, I'll have to talk with you later about this to verify. In Canada, they have this thing called the butternose, and in Canada, this is like, this is like really really strange to me but in Canada it's it's probably normal but in Canada they do this thing called the butter nose right is this true Kevin have you ever heard it you ever heard of the butter nose all right good good so there's i believe it's a certain part of Nova Scotia that they actually do the butter nose and they literally will like run someone down and they will rub butter all over their nose and part of their face to try and keep bad luck away from them that the idea is it would it would stay off of them with the butter now i don't even believe in the idea of good luck but in America that's called hazing like, that's what that is. Is it not? I mean, that is totally called hazing, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not from Canada. It's just what I heard. Some weird traditions. But the traditions that we're going to talk about and that really this text refers to are things that are to be so ingrained within the body of Christ. It's supposed to be something that, that we have freedom to do. As a matter of fact, one of the common mistakes that, that we make in, in kind of church world today is we start to think that the Lord's Supper is something only to be done in a setting just like this and only to be administered by a person like me. But there's so much freedom in the way that we can actually do the Lord's Supper. For instance, if you have times of family worship, and I hope that you do, if you have times of family worship, you can actually take the Lord's Supper in your home. You just do it in the way that it's prescribed in this text you can do it. You have the freedom to do so. It doesn't have to be within these walls. It doesn't have to be at a location that's known as as a church. If you are part of the body of Christ, you are the church, so you can do it there. In your community groups, like we have community groups that meet throughout the week. Um, Community group leaders, listen, you guys can go out and you could take the Lord's Supper together and just kind of bring it right back um, to the gospel, and you can take the Lord's Supper together. It doesn't have to be done uh, by somebody with the, with the title of pastor. It doesn't have to be within, done within these four walls, but it has to be done in the way that's prescribed in this text. Now, because it's, it seems formal, and yet there's, there's ways that it doesn't have to be done in a formal setting, we have freedom in it. But something that we're going to see in this text, and when I, read, when I read it, we read it together, I want you to kind of zone in on these two words, examine, yourself or examine myself, however it says it in your Bible, to examine oneself. And I want you to kind of zone in on those. And maybe even in this passage, if you're an underliner or, or a, a highlighter in your Bible, you might want to kind of mark that just for future reference. If you use the Bible app, I'm pretty sure that you can do that too. You can highlight. Um, and I have no idea how you find it again, but I'm pretty sure you can highlight it. And then it's in your phone somewhere, I think. So we're going to get into these two traditions right here, or excuse me, in we're going to talk about one of the two traditions right here, the ordinances of the church right here in 1 Corinthians 11. Now, I told you that this is not, if I were to, to say, man, I want our church to be like this, this is not the church we want to become. This church got so many things wrong, including this one. You're going to see that they had taken a tradition ordinance of the early church and they had just made just a mess of it. They had made a mess of it and they had allowed their differences to not only divide them, but it wasn't even necessarily a theological issue at first. It was a social issue. So it was they knew the reason why they were there, but yet they started to take some things for granted. They started to just be kind of lazy in the practice of the Lord's Supper. You're going to see this right here in 1 Corinthians 11. We're actually going to start in verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good like you never want that said about a corporate worship setting in your church. I'm like, "Hey, I am just I'm just letting you know that your meetings do more harm than good." Now, I do want to be I, I do want to be sensitive of something. Because many of us come from different faith backgrounds and and many of us as we're a church that are striving to reach unchurched and de-churched people and help growing Christians to continue in their walk with God. But I understand that we kind of start in some place. And I want you to know that maybe the reason why you left church in the first place, maybe the reason why you just, you gave up at one time and you came back is because you were a part of the church that you would say this. Say, you know what? You were doing more harm than good. So I have to remove myself from this group of believers. I just want you to kind of not want to be aware of that. I want to be sensitive to that. And that's not the church we want to become. Uh, The church that I believe that we need to become is a church that's centered around the gospel, which the very practice of the Lord's Supper is centered around the gospel, and it's people centered around the gospel. So that's not the church that we long to be. But I understand maybe you're a part of a group that said, you know what, your meetings do more harm than good, so I'm checking out. But I'm so thankful that you checked in to DBC, whether here live or online. Verse 18. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So you have one group saying, no, 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 God approves of me more than he approves of you, and it's causing the divisions and it's rooted in their differences. So as we've talked about a couple weeks ago, we talked about the things that really tend to divide church folk is the divisions, disputes and differences. This is what you see right here in this text. And the differences they were having is a social issue. It's, be, it's become a rich and poor issue. One group, they thought they were better than the other group within this church. So Paul says, when you get together, you do more harm than good because you're actually, that the leadership was just allowing this division to happen. So now he writes as, as kind of like a spiritual mentor of this church. And he writes and he says, what you're doing isn't working. As a matter of fact, you're actually working against the gospel of which no church would ever want to be a part of. Verse 20, he says, When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Yeah, you read that right, right here in church. You thought your church experience was bad. Verse 22, Don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God? Humiliate those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not, exclamation point. So he goes through, and let me just kind of tell you, now there's this social divide between rich and poor, and in this setting, what was very common in the early church is this thing called the agape feast, or the love feast. It's when people who had committed their life to Jesus that they just couldn't help but be with other followers of Jesus, so much so if you look in Acts 2 and maybe you have been away from your Bible and you want to get into your Bible again, go to Acts 2 and it tells a storyline just really before the church started to see a lot of corruption, the storyline of just, man, just how God worked among these people and they couldn't help but be together. And when they would come together, they would have a corporate worship setting, probably not that different than ours except obviously not with electricity and electric guitars, but in their own way. And they would come together under the teaching of the word. But then after that, they would have a potluck. Now, they, they didn't have the good stuff. They didn't have fried chicken. They didn't have tater salad, okay? They just didn't have that. We do, praise God, right? God's grace to us. But when they would get together, what you see in this passage so far is when they would come together for the agape feast at the church of Corinth, when they would come together, it was like some people were obviously coming to the to the worship setting so hungry that they were like elbowing other people and they were fighting to get to the table like that's crazy to me. But it would be like what would happen here at the church if we were having a fellowship and we always set the tables up right there. We've done it for years, just like that. Convert this whole room and tables and we all eat together. It would be like we worship and we have the potluck. Everybody brings their food to share with everyone else. But yet people were so hungry that they were just like throwing other people out of the way so they could run back there to get the food. And I'll tell you, if that ever happens here and we run out of fried chicken, I'll get you some. Relax. It's Okay. It's going to be all right. But these people, they were getting it wrong. And so then one person wasn't being considerate of the other, which should not be in the family of God when we're gathered together in corporate worship. That should not be. But it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that they were throwing bows at each other, trying to fight each other off from the table. It was even worse than that because you saw in the text that, like, Uncle Jethro is getting hammered in the corner off of the wine that they're going to be taking the Lord's Supper with. Hello? Like... Yeah, you read it right. Like, that's literally what's happening. So, so they're taking the wine. And they're like, man, that's some good wine. I'm really glad. I'm glad these rich folks are here. And he's in the corner, basically drunk within a worship service. It's unthinkable. Can you imagine how Paul felt whenever he heard the news about this church and about the mess that it had become, the church that he loved, the gospel message that he, was, he had committed his life to? When he said yes to Jesus, he was all in. And now he hears this report from this church that's getting things all wrong the social issue of one group that thinks that they're better than the other because of the rich and poor and the divide, the, the, the potlucks and the agape feast, and now they're making a mess of that. And it would be something that, that, the, that the outside community, they were just so perplexed by the agape feast. That was so foreign to them. They would come together. It's like these, these Christians, these Christ ones, they just, they just cannot, these people of the way, they just want to be together at all times. And now the church is getting it all wrong. So it was a social issue. And now, what we're going to see as this continues, that now there's also a spiritual issue. It's also spiritual issue. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And he's coming again. Amen? Amen. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. I want no part of that. This is what we need to zone in on. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. and when I come, I will give further directions so after the the potluck nightmare, if you will, he goes through, and now he says that now when you're coming together for the Lord's Supper, that after they would have a time of worship much like this and they would have the agape meal and they would, they would do that and it wouldn't be as that when they would partake of the Lord's Supper, it wouldn't be with the formality that we're going to have in just a minute. It just wasn't their practice. It wasn't their tradition. As a matter of fact, it was much more laid back. After they would have the time of corporate worship and after they would eat the meal, then they would break the bread and then they would drink the wine in remembrance of the gospel. So now it is, it's become the social issue, it's become a theological issue, and now the church, of which they were supposed to have these two traditions or ordinances, and now they're making a mess of one of them. I want to kind of give you two working definitions of things that you've heard of before, but things that we use, and I don't, I don't teach it with regularity, but I just want us to understand what these two words mean. The first word is the word Communion. Maybe you're unfamiliar with that word. You hear the word communion and you think, well, that's like the Catholics and I'm not a Catholic, so that doesn't pertain to me. Communion, it means the same thing as the Lord's Supper. So communion, as I would define it, communion is rooted in our common union with Jesus. So when we come together and sometimes I intermix this this word, Lord's Supper, and communion, it's our common union as believers with Jesus. So when we take the Lord's Supper, it's because of our common union with Jesus. When Paul is instructing the church in Corinth, he is saying you are under common union with Jesus, which is why he makes a reference to the body and the blood of Jesus, their common union with Jesus. Also, we as a body, we are under a biblical community. That means we have a biblical community common unity in the gospel of Jesus. So we have a a common union with Jesus, but we're also a biblical community living out the gospel together out of our common unity. So when you hear me say community for the rest of this year, this is what I'm making reference to of embracing not just a series not just just an ideal that we're better together but as we're embracing the me to we as a fellowship of difference all of us needing one another leaning on one another when 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 that means if we're part of a a common unity in the gospel that means this listen to me church that means if somebody if you see somebody starting to stray from from our community then if you see somebody starting to stray, that means you need to loving them, hold them down so they don't run away. That also means that we should be close enough, we should be near enough to one another that when when somebody is about to fall, that somebody else is there to help them on their way down. That's what that means. If we have a common unity with with the gospel and if we are under communion just people, Jesus kind of people, that's what this means for us. If we're truly going to love God and love others well, it has to start in the house of God. Amen. It has to start here under our communion with Jesus himself, but also our common unity rooted in the gospel. We are gospel people. This is not just a message that we preach, but this is a life that we're to live as being gospel people. I'd ask you to make reference to, um, to examine himself. And I've thought of it as examine yourself in verse 28. It says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. When I think of an examination, I think of going to um, going to the doctor's office for some type of examination. And, and that is necessarily uncomfortable, isn't it? Like anyone just loved to go to the doctor, anyone? No one. All right. So, so we're at least we're united on that front, right? Like no one likes to because we because we know that it's just uncomfortable. You go in there, you're going to get poked and prodded in places you don't even want to tell others about. You don't even want to have this experience, but you know that it's necessary. You know that going in there is necessary. Sitting on the little bed, looking I don't even know what the thing's officially called the little table bed. What you. I'm call it thing that that thing the cold and feeling uncomfortable and you know that it's necessarily uncomfortable because when you go to see a doctor you know you can't diagnose your own problem right so that's why you go in and you do the uh and they do the thing in the ear and they look at you and they listen to your heart because if you could diagnose all of your own issues you would have no need of going although we are so creative in our efforts to do so aren't we anybody else use webmd other than me like If you want your day wrecked, go on WebMD. It's incredibly informative, and you don't know what a doctor knows, so don't even try and self-diagnose. It doesn't even work. You go in there with like an ingrown toenail, and all of a sudden you come out with heart disease, some rare form of cancer, and a virus in your ear that's never going away, right? It's like, and that's kind of the, the road, and then you go in, and you're like, I didn't feel that bad before. Now I feel terrible about myself. I need to go talk to the pastor. I mean, that's kind of the idea, Like, my life's coming to an end today. See, but when we go to the doctor, it's necessarily uncomfortable. When we go before, uh, in times like this, when we go before the table, and we get ready to take the elements, we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, we get ready to take communion, what we have to do is we have to embrace the fact that it is necessarily uncomfortable. That we ask the Holy Spirit of God to examine ourselves before we go to the table. Because if not, what Paul says could happen to us. Verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. I don't want that to be said of you. I certainly don't want that to be true of you. I don't want that to be true of me. So we have to just kind of embrace the uncomfortable nature of this. Ask the Holy Spirit of God before we go to the table just to examine us. Examine us. I, I, if you're a Christian, you, you need to ask God to examine you. If you are not a Christian, then you just need to, to stop and say, why, why is it that I'm not embracing the truth of the gospel? And if you're somewhere in between where you are a Christian but you're out of fellowship with God, you need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to permeate your being to see what it is that's within you that's causing you to go astray. So, I wanna just take this time and and it is going to be necessarily uncomfortable. I wanna just take a few moments and we're gonna sit in some uncomfortable silence. It's, It's just gotta be this way. And when we go and we sit in this silence, Your mind may race. Mine sometimes does. But we're going to sit long enough. And I want you to to allow the Holy Spirit of God to examine you. I want you to, to invite him. I want you to open yourself up to him. And I want you to kind of ask the Lord and allow the Lord to ask you these types of questions. How are my relationships right now? Am I loving people like the gospel compels me to love people? So I'll allow and just invite the Holy Spirit of God to just kind of, as you get necessarily uncomfortable, just to examine you, say, my relationships, are, where, are they where they need to be? My eyes. Am I, am, I, am I looking at things the way that I should? Your mind. Am I thinking about things the way that I should? And most of all, your heart are my affections on Jesus or are my affections on the world? Are, are my affections on, on the hope of the gospel or am, are my affections on a person? Are all my affections on, on a person? Are they on a, a certain path of life? Are they on that promotion? Are they the, just your 401K? Where are your affections? But as we sit, you have to ask yourself these questions. Allowing God to just kind of, the Holy Spirit kind of look at you from the inside. So I want you to ask yourself those questions. Say, God, how are my relationships right now? Is there there some forgiveness I need to make? Is there is there some confessions I need to say? Do I need to go call somebody later today? Have I been negligent in my finances and now I need to finally do what it is that I said that I would do and be faithful with your finances. I don't know what it is, but I want us to sit in silence. So if you would please, bow your heads, close your eyes. Ask God to show you if there's any area of your life that's not measuring up to him.